What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. A gun rack? A gun rack? I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns to necessitate a rack. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That is my friend Paul and I. That is us. That is us. And good job on the Wayne's World, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Little little pull back the curtain here. Before every episode, when we like start recording, I do the little five, four, three, two, one thing from Wayne's World where on the one the dude gives Wayne and Garth the finger, so that was very topical for us. Yes. So well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. All right. As always, intro, outro music, Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out on the internet, everywhere, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm getting very like like dismissive of that. I should probably be more enthusiastic, but they are a great band, so check them out. Um, since the last time we recorded... Suns won a game. Suns won a game. They snapped a franchise record 15-game losing streak by beating the Kings. Happy days are here again. It was kind of a battle of attrition when you're dealing with those two types of teams. Well, especially Uh, when you're looking at a Suns team that was playing without... Booker. Three starters. Stottas. Stottas. Warren. And... Who's the other one? They're Alfred. Oh, yeah. Does, I don't know if you really care. It matters, but he was the starter previously to be, being injured. I was so stoked about Alfred Payton after that first game. Everybody was. And then it's just kind of been like, mm, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. But, yeah, the Suns won that game. Not without a little tense moment at the end where they gave up two wide-open three-pointers, <laughs> both of which were somehow missed by uh, Bogdanovich and Justin Jackson. And I think maybe that was just like full tank city kicking in for both teams. The Suns were like, okay, let's play zero defense right yeah. here. And then the Kings were like, let's brick these wide open three pointers. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think watching that last shot, especially the one by Bogdanovich, who can actually shoot, who can shoot. I feel like he was so shocked by how wide open he was, it threw him off. <laughs> and maybe that's like a new type of defense to play surprise them by playing so little defense that they're distracted by the lack of defense and make them miss a shot. They're like, I'm so wide open. There must be somebody behind me that I don't realize is there. Did the whistle blow? (laughs) What's going on? Is this, is this game still going on? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So at any rate, yes, they won a game. So they won't be winless in the month of April. So we've got that going for with us. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then with that one win, they matched their win total from both February and March. <laughs> the podcast of optimism. Granted, I am. Here going comes to, Paul. I'm bringing the pessimism. Bring it. Suns have three games left. This is true. The Grizzlies have five. The Grizzlies are behind by two games. Can I update? Because I'm pretty sure it's now four and one and a half. But go on. Okay, sure. Either way, if both teams lose out, we're tied. Which means we then get to go to a coin flip to see who gets the first pick. That can't be right. Editor's note, the NBA has not used the coin flip in relation to the NBA draft since 1984. Now back to the program. Yeah. If as of right now, the Suns are a game and a half up. But they only have three games to play. Right, but they would still be one game up then. And when I say up, I mean down in the regular standings, up in the reverse standings. When I looked at it yesterday, the re- if, if both teams lost out, they would have matching records. And now we're going to have some silence while I'm we on, both double-check. I'm on Tankathon <laughs> as we speak. As of right now, the Suns have won 20 games with three games left. Right. And Memphis has won 21 games with four games left. Okay. So if both teams lose out, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the CPA of the group. I'm the math math wizard. The Suns would still end up with 20 wins, and Memphis would end up with 21 wins. Okay, you are correct. They win tonight? I I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not, I'm not like the Memphis statistician stat, statistician statistician statistician. That's another one of those weird words like <laughs> hubris. Look, I got it right this week. Okay, so you you jumped in. I was just gonna say 
all of that, and you could have avoided being wrong about this. But, no, but I, I like to be wrong. Well, fair enough. It's, as it's of been right a day now, of being wrong. So. As of right now, don't bring your work life into this, Paul. We we don't need that. <laughs> Our listeners don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Fair enough. <laughs> as of right now, the Suns are one and a half games ahead of Memphis in the reverse standings with New Orleans, Golden State, and Dallas. That Dallas game concerns me a little bit. Because, yeah. well, Dallas isn't very good. No. Um, but New Orleans and Golden State don't really concern me. I think we've all learned that Golden State could run out there with literally maybe half of their lineup and probably still end up they with should, a win. They could run out the, uh, the their G League team. And it would probably still be the same result, exactly. So either way, I think we can both agree that worst-case scenario – Suns are probably looking at a situation where they split the number one and two pick lottery balls. Right. Right. So we're we're looking at a obviously a still a high draft pick. Knock on wood that the lottery doesn't dick the Suns over yet again. But we don't need to get into that. But while we don't need to get into that specifically, it does kind of lead us into our primary topic for this evening. And we Talked about it last week during the podcast, and that is we're going to go one step further than we did last week. Last week we discussed which of these Suns players on the roster right now are going to be around next year and which ones are not going to be around next year. And we said, hey, you know what? Next week we're going to go ahead and we're going to actually create the Suns roster. We're going to say who we think, and I guess when I say who we think, that's kind of nebulous because perhaps it's who we think in our little universe and not necessarily who we think in reality. Right. But who we think are, uh, will be on the Suns roster next season, including draft picks, including potential trades, including free agency. So we're going to go the whole nine yards here. We're going to lay it all out. And I will say with the caveat that we are doing this off of minimal research. <laughs> we didn't run this all through. Have big stats. We didn't run this through the NBA trade machine. And... Frankly, we don't may- really know if it works with the cap. Maybe this will all be insane. I'm sure if it is, we'll hear about it, but I don't know. Whatever. It seemed like a good idea at the time, and since we brought it up, we committed to it. Here we are doing it. And then we just didn't have any time to properly plan. Yeah, it was like this afternoon, about you know two hours before we started recording. Like, hey, we still doing that? <laughs> like, well, I better start doing some research. Yeah, let's let's look this up really quick. So, uh, with with those caveats, without further uh, ado. Let's go ahead and run through this. And I will say one last thing. We're working off a premise so that we didn't just repeat ourselves. We're working off the premise that the Suns are going to take who I think are, at least I know for me, our respective number ones on the draft board for for uh, the Suns. Myself, obviously, that would be DeAndre Ayton. Yes. And for Paul, that would be a certain Mr. Luka Doncic. Yes, yeah, we, we didn't want to give Justin the unfair situation of having to go against his own desires and wants i would never do that <laughs> that would be silly and and you know i want to handicap I, you like that i feel like i owe more to deandre Ayton than doing that to myself as well so as you said without further ado let's get into this and i'm going to put you on the spot and make you go first you make me go first so luka Doncic. so luka with Doncic. The, with the First pick in the NBA draft, the Phoenix Suns select Luka Doncic. Real Madrid? Yeah. I don't know where the hell, where is he right now? How would they pronounce this? Is it? I think it's Real. Is yeah, Real is that Real how they would announce it? I, I, let's go ahead and say uh, Croatia. Yes, yeah, Serbia. <laughs> Whatever. Right Eastern Bloc somewhere. Yes. Okay, so Paul, All right, take so, it away, my friend. So obviously, Luka Doncic is coming in. He's expect With the lineup we have, he's... I believe we expect him to be the point guard position. So, and obviously Booker and we expect Jackson to probably uh, assert the starting small forward role Mm -hmm. this year as well, or this upcoming year as well. So then where that starts to leave us in my scenario is what do we do with the remainder of the front court and as well as, as well as the bench. So, the elephant in the room on my end is probably is pretty much uh, T.J. Warren. Am I going to use him for a trade? Am I going to keep him around? What What do I want to do with Warren? Right now, I'm leaning towards keeping Warren. I Ooh, want. Okay. I want. I think I can fill out the roster 
upgrade the roster with some moves that don't require me giving up Warren. I can get some value with some players who um, who have some growth potential but also have already, to an extent, solidified themselves that they are quality players in the league. Okay. So I like where your head is at so far. The first couple moves, just a little bit of housekeeping just to clear some space. Unsurprisingly, I am renouncing uh, Alex Len. Aww. He, he, he gets to go out into the pastures of free agency and see what kind of deal he's going to get. Which go is prob- somewhere, in his words, he wants to be. That wants him. There you go. Um, I'm also going to end the Alfred Payton experiment. He, because, of, uh, because of both of their... Uh, Draft slots, they have very high cap holds that we can't afford to eat up cap space with to make any significant moves in free agency. And just to um, round it out, uh, bye-bye Alec Peters as well. I may He may come back. He may be a camp invite. I may sign him to a small deal, like a minimum deal or whatnot, just to kind of round, th- round things out. Maybe have do like a, um, a two-way contract. For with the Naz Suns or something like that, sure. Maybe come back around, but as of right now, I'm renouncing his his bird rights. And and just to interject, if the Suns were to renounce Peyton, Len, and Peters, that would be a savings of about twenty million dollars, give or take, under the cap. Which surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, but uh, and sorry to inter- interrupt, Paul. Interject. I'm not sorry to interject. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Um, you know, th- there was a lot of talk all season about the Suns having cap spaces here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, until they actually renounce guys like Len, like Peyton, like Peters, they're sitting at $4 million, $5 million over the cap uh, as it's projected right now. So, you know, again, renouncing those three guys will will save them about $20 bucks, and will put them, uh, you know, about $15 million, give or take, under the cap. Go on. And just to get a little bit more space under the cap, in my scenario right now, we're looking at we've got the two we've got the two older vets on those basically on their last year of their contract that have a significant amount of cap cap space that they're eating up. We got Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley. You know, I think we should probably keep one of the two of them around mm-hmm. from the standpoint of you know, we need, really need that veteran presence. We really need that leadership role. Both of them have, in different ways, provided that role pretty well for the Suns this past year, um, as best they can in the in a tanking year. Again, it's it's a tough situation to be in, and they provided what we needed out of them. So, I had to make a choice, and I'm going with a. I'm stretching uh, Tyson. I'm I'm opening up that center spot. We are basically down to Allen Williams at the center position. Sure. And you're not getting DeAndre Ayton in the draft. And I'm not getting DeAndre Ayton in the draft, so that is a spot I need to fill. But by by waving and stretching Chandler, that brings the Suns to approximately $23 million, right. give or take, under the cap. Exactly. So I, I've, got some, I've got some money to work with. I've got some other things I can play with. But I'm definitely keeping around Allen Williams. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm definitely keeping around Alan Williams as my backup center. I think between the locker room energy he brings and the encore energy he brings, even though he, we basically lost this season of him because of that freak injury before the season started, I think he deserves to have that next year picked up. And I think he can really fill in that, that center role from a reserve spot and even a spot start spot. So, and then obviously there is Bender and Chris. I, to be honest, I still haven't figured out what I'm doing with those guys, but I am planning on bringing in another power forward to um, help kind of solidify that spot. I'm, I'm throwing money at Jabari Parker. I really think that he is a value position. I think that with the situation that Milwaukee is in from a cap standpoint um, and a player standpoint, they may be reluctant to match uh, an offer. I'm thinking something maybe in the four years, $40 million range. I think that's a reasonable offer for Jabari. He, it's, 
He's, I mean, he was a number two pick, I think. He was number two. And he had some freaking, some, I don't know if to call him freak injuries, but he's had some injury history, so there's a risk there. So I think you can get him at a discount that um, would allow the Suns to bring him in and hopefully kind of catch a diamond in the rough there. Get him in with the training staff, build up those like small little like side muscles and things that help strengthen those knees so he can avoid injuries in the future. Do a little Grant Hill magic on him. A little Grant Hill, a little Steve Nash, a little Shaq magic. Mm -hmm. You know, get him in there, get get that all. Shaq chick? Shaq Shaq chick? (laughs) Go on. Get get that all kind of figured out, and he can can slide into that power forward spot. He provides steady scoring at the position, which is something we don't really have, and he can, I mean, he can defend okay. He's not a great defender, but he can defend okay. So, and let me make sure I, I'm clear here on this. So, you, you want to bring in Parker, and under, and maybe you haven't gotten here yet. Mm-hmm. In your scenario, are Chris and Bender both still with the team? As of right now, Chris and Bender are still with the team. Okay, go on. Now, the question is the center spot, and this is, this is where... I think McDonough could do some magic in possibly doing some type of whether it's a sign in trade, whether it's just a straight up trade um, to bring in another another like a starting caliber center at that position. My, my hard part is really figuring out who that person is. I mean, there's names out there like Clint Capella mm-hmm. who could be interesting from a defensive standpoint because we've got the offense. We've got a ton of offense right now. Um, with with Doncic, Be- uh, Booker, Jackson, and uh, Warren. War- no, no. Well, and Warren and uh, Parker, all guys who are offensive players. I mean, Jackson has a defensive side to him. I think Doncic's defense is a little underrated in in what he's done. So those guys can help kind of hide Booker a little bit. And I think if you have a team where you can hide Booker, his he won't be as bad on defense if he's guarding the the, the least threatening wing guard player. So all all of that I think will help. Um, one guy I was I'm interested in possibly taking a flyer on is actually Nerlens Noel. I think he could be that defensive center, and I think the situation in Dallas has. So much more to do with things off the court and with his relationship specifically with Dallas, mm-hmm. not with his skill. I think his relationship soured when he had an idea of what what his contract should be. They didn't offer it to him, and so he took that. Um, he did the same thing Alex, right. Alex Len did and took that took that fifth year option on himself. And unfortunately, he's walking into a free agency year where there's not a lot of people with money. So I think he's another value guy that we could that the Suns could bring in who can play really good, anchor that defense and, you know, just kind of play that a young Tyson Chandler, be a, a bit of a young Tyson Chandler. Sure. You know, defense, block shots, rebound and kind of all his offenses is getting miss getting missed shots and the occasional lob dunk and things like that. So I think though that's a lot of the moves I'm looking at. The only other thing I could think of that may may consider is if McDonald wants to do like one of those big time moves. I mean, he could go after DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if I'd DeAndre Jordan's honestly a little old for me for this team. He's mm-hmm. not that old. Mm-hmm. I think he's still under thirty. But the amount of money we would have to give him to get him to leave the Clippers. Well, actually, he may be leaving the Clippers anyways, but just to be competitive for him, I'm just not sure. 29. I'm ready to spend that kind of money with the the size of the max contract he has. Now, granted, another guy who could show up and be available, who, who's, a, who's a restricted free agent, but could potentially become unrestricted if something weird happens, like, say, LeBron James decides to go to Houston. The only way they can fit him under the cap is they have to renounce Clint Capella's rights. Mm-hmm. So, depending on the situation, I may consider throwing a restricted offer at him. But if that potentially plays out and he becomes unrestricted, I would very much want to go after him because I think he could play that same role. And he's less of a risk. He's more of a proven quantity than Noel. Grandy, and that's going to cost money. 
Sure. Um, from a backup standpoint, I'm looking. Um, we we keep forgetting about Brandon Knight. Yes, and we do. He, he's there. He exists. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. At least not immediately. So at the very least, he's we're gonna have to play him. I think he, if he had a bit of a come to Jesus moment in this past year, and just kind of centered himself and has kind of accepted the idea that he could be a really good sixth man. Mm-hmm. I think he could be a really good sixth man and basically play that combo guard role and just back up whoever, whether it's Booker, whether it's Doncic, just be playing off of whichever one of those guys isn't in the lineup. Have kind of that kind of three-man rotation there. Um, obviously, I think I'd keep Eulis around one more year, like just pick up that option. It, it's so minor, it's not worth letting him go, especially when you're looking at getting in, going into the season that you have to, looking to extend Booker. I don't want to piss Booker off right before we're trying to get him to sign a contract. By by dropping one of his boys. By dropping his best friend. Right. <laughs> when it's not even that expensive to keep him. Um, and Chris, Chris and Bender can slide into some of the, to those backup forward and, and uh, center spots. And if they do, act, either one of them really does make that leap, then they can take that. They can, things can switch there. But I think a backup unit of Knight... Troy Daniels, maybe, mm-hmm. if we keep him around. Um, Knight, Troy Daniels, Warren, Allen Williams, and Chris Andor Bender is actually a really solid backup unit in my in my on paper anyway. Sure. It's it's potent offensively, has some defense in there as well. I think it could be a way better than the backup units we've had now, because half those guys have been being starters. <laughs> So that's kind of my team. So this is interesting, and this will play out more as I go through mine. Yeah. I feel like last week we went through who's going to be on the Suns and who's not going to be on the Suns. I had said the Suns are going to maybe have four new faces, give or take, and you had seemed to think seven, it was going to be pretty much like an entire roster team. turnover. And based on what I'm guys. hearing from you— and what I've actually come up with, we have completely <laughs> flip-flopped. I don't know that I'm quite up to the eight, but unlike you, I'm not keeping around some of the guys that you had indicated you are going to keep around. Yeah, I mean, and there's, I think this is where I just, I fall off on my roster construction abilities. Your rosterbation, if you will? I, you can use that word. <laughs> did, you, did you not watch the league? <laughs> I I did. So I think I've used that word in a previous. I think I used that word last year in one of our podcasts. We'll have to go back and listen to the tape. I'll let the fans (laughs) do that. (laughs) Anybody out there, if you can confirm that Paul used the phrase "rosturbation" last year, that would be much appreciated. I might have used it in a in a verb format. You rosturbated. Yeah. Okay. And there is your there is your grammar lesson for the day as well, folks. You are welcome. What do we not provide our listeners here? Math lessons, grammar lessons, and nonsense about the suns nonstop. That's that's what we do. That and optimism, except for definitely don't provide them with anything useful. (laughs) Well, I feel like the math lessons and the grammar lessons can perhaps be useful. They learn from our mistakes. There you go. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Hey, it's still, but yeah, still I mean, teaching. You are right. I mean, there. De- I definitely. Le- there are more guys who stayed on the roster than I expected, as I actually went through the process. But I mean, we have so many like names on the roster of guys who like may like. Davon Reed may get some more time at on the on the Naz Sons next year. Sure. So, like, there's a lot. When you look at our roster, there's a lot of guys who are really G League guys, and they're just getting options. I mean, I didn't even mention Shaq Harrison. Right. And he has a deal. We don't know what the terms are. It doesn't show up on Sham Sports can, or anywhere else. If anybody, that's another thing. Okay, anybody out there can actually tell us what his deal is because Sham Sports or anywhere else on the internet, I have all I've been able to find is, it's quote, unquote, the Sun signed him to a multi-year deal. Numbers, Nothing. Actual number of years, nothing. I'm assuming that it's very little 
if anything, guaranteed in either of the next two years. But nonetheless, I just find it odd that there's it's like a complete mystery. He he, he has like the Kaiser Soze of contracts somehow. <laughs> so um, before we get into your... Now talk about Kaiser Soze a little more? Uh, sure. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. That's Very a good movie. Now I'm done. Go on. Do you have any thoughts on my roster construction? Yes. Positives, negatives. Want to just tear down? I just say I, I'm a horrible, horrible fake GM. I feel like if you bring in, if you bring in a power forward at all, especially one that you're not bringing in to kind of be like a role filler, who's maybe going to be there as a mentor to younger players. It's a little mm. foreshadowing of what I'm going to do. Oh yeah. You're you're playing with fire by basically having Crowding three, position. not just not just three power forwards because that's fine, whatever. But three top ten draft pick power forwards. <laughs> this is true. I mean, if 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 in your scenario, Jabari Parker, and let's assume he's healthy. Okay, let's right. assume everybody's healthy. Right. Knock on wood again. If you're saying that Jabari Parker is going to be the starter, then where are like you can't really split minutes, backup minutes between Chris and Bender. Right. You know, you're going to have to make a choice, which is one reason why in, in my scenario, I have a power forward coming in. But you have a power forward going out. I have a power forward going out because, you know, and well, actually I have two power forwards coming in. But one mm-hmm. being more of a role player, low number type of guy in terms of salary and maybe they're more as a as a mentor and i feel like i'm starting to sound like this is probably what fucking excuse me but what earl watson sounded like <laughs> just like mentorship i'm like oh we're gonna bring this guy in to be a mentor and we need all this mentorship and blah 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 but at the same time i think you do with guys this young especially if these mentors are dudes who have been around the league who have the ability to teach these young guys and are at that point in their career where they're kind of starting to, I don't want to say in the twilight, right. but they're not exactly top 10, top 15 level type of free agents uh, in, in, in a free agency class like this one. Um, the other thing I found interesting is, and you, you kind of alluded to it, you've got, you said Jackson is presumably going to be a starter. Right. So then you've got Knight and Jackson basically one and two off the bench. Mm. Knight and Warren. Excuse me, yes, Knight and Warren. Which one's one, which one's two? And I know the whole, like, six-man thing is kind of, okay, six-man, because a lot of times, right. you know, a lot of times you don't just have one dude coming in as the first sub. You have two guys coming in. Right. But if, if, if I were to hold a gun to your head and say, you can only put in one guy every single game as a, the first sub off the bench, which one would you, which one would you pick? Who, who would be? Let's assume we have Brandon Knight that's at least, like, to some level of, like, Milwaukee, Brandon Knight. Milwaukee, Brandon um, Knight. To reference more 90s movies while yeah. I had it, too. <laughs> Wayne's World, uh, Usual Suspects, and... Oh, Wayne's World again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Let me regroup from that. Zang. <laughs> <laughs> Which is allegedly Japanese for excellent. Uh, it was Japanese? Whatever, dude. No, Cantonese. Cantonese, yeah. My bad. Um, we should start a new podcast, delving deep into 90s movies. That, could, that actually could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. Anyways, that's for another, another channel. <laughs> So who back to back to your question, Knight or Warren, who would, who would be the first one coming? As of right now, because I don't know what I'm getting from Knight, because Knight's a mystery, because I don't know what he's coming back with from the return. I would say Warren right now. Could that change if the year goes by and Knight's actually and like you said, it's actually yeah, they're both six man because they both come in at like that's that's what the rotation is. It's like Jackson comes or like. Jackson and Doncic come out or uh, whoever, whatever it is. Two of those guys come out and two of those guys come in at the same time. It could be – that could be the situation. You could also see Warren maybe, you know, getting time at like a small ball four. That mm-hmm. could be an interesting lineup as mm-hmm. well. Actually, it would be a crazy lineup is he's a small ball five and you bring in, bring in Knight two. Mind blown. <laughs> but 
Um, I think that's the right answer because we, we truly don't know what we're going to get out of Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight could find himself at the end of the bench at some point right. next year I mean, for all I mean, we know. He, the injury he has is an injury that a lot of players have come back from without a lot of loss of athletic skill and athleticism. I mean, what was it? It was the ACL? MCL? Mm. One of the CLs? One of the CLs. <laughs> ACL, Yes. That is that it. We we're done now. You, you good? I'm good. Okay. All right. So, like we said, I'm working off the premise that DeAndre Ayton is the number one pick for the Phoenix Suns in this year's draft. Do you want it, Paul? Can we get an announcement? Can we? Can you play Adam Silver for a minute here? <laughs> no, <laughs> just blanked that out. Wow. Okay. The wording of that. Jesus. With the number one pick in goes. the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select DeAndre Ayton out of the University of Arizona. Woo, yeah, okay, good job, Paul. Thank you. See, eventually you got there. Okay, so I'll start off kind of where you started off, and that is the two old guys, who I think are both our age or younger. <laughs> Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley. So sad. <laughs> I'm also going to wave and stretch one of them, but I'm going to wave and stretch Jared Dudley. And not just because he did not dunk last year or this year. By the way, in the game the other day, he had like an open lane and he went up aggressively and like, very aggressive it was, it was an amazingly strong layup. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I'm going to wave and stretch Dudley. The primary reason why I'm doing that is because, you know, back to the mentorship that I was talking about, one of the knocks that people have had on DeAndre Ayton, and I frankly think it's a bit overblown, uh, is his defensive ability. And, and I'm not saying that the stats and the eye test don't show that he has performed subpar on the defensive end while he was at U of A. But I'm hard-pressed to believe that a guy who has such refined footwork, such refined postgame on the offensive end of the floor at such a young age doesn't have it in him to develop a strong defensive game as well. And I don't think there's any doubt that he has the length, he has the athleticism to do it. It's just a matter of him putting it together. And from my perspective, if you have a young up-and-coming center in the NBA, I can't think of a better guy that you know is on a reasonable, well, he's not really on a reasonable contract, but that's going to be available and not expecting to play big minutes uh, to teach him the ropes and to teach him the nuances of the NBA defensive game than a Tyson Chandler. I mean, he won multiple defensive players of the year, player of the years, <laughs> at least one. He won one with the Knicks, which was weird. I thought he won one with Dallas, too. Did he win one with Dallas? Oh, I, I know he won one with the Knicks. So and I was just annoyed at that because if Tyson Chandler could have won a defensive player of the year with that Knicks team, Sean Marion should have won a defensive player of the year at some point with the Suns. Fair enough. Fair enough. But regardless, we can agree that he is a has, has put together a very solid career on the defensive end. He knows the defensive game in the NBA, and I think he would be a good guy to show DeAndre in the ropes and hopefully refine DeAndre's defensive game so that it's a solid one when it comes to the NBA level. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, sorry, Jared, love you, but bye-bye. Maybe you can be a coach. Maybe you can be a coach. And then I'm going to, like you did, renounce Peyton and Len and Peters. Those are just assumed. Those, are, Yeah, we can just <laughs> work off of that assumption. And that would put the Suns just, just a hair over $20 million over under the salary cap, under the projected salary cap. So that's going to give them some wiggle room uh, to work with, which, again, we didn't crunch numbers on this thing, but I think that the the proposals I have in place here should, you know, that $20 million is going to give them more than enough to get these players that I have uh, coming in. I will say one other thing, too, when it comes to the draft that you did not address, and that is a Sun's second pick in the first round. Right. You know, a week ago, we were looking at the possibility of the Suns having three first-round draft picks. Now it's starting to look less likely that they'll end up with three, but they're still going to get that Miami one. The Miami pick right now slated somewhere around 15, 16, maybe could get as high as 13, but you're looking at a middle first-round draft pick. Um, I, I, I say they keep that pick. Uh, because while when you look at the point guard class this year, obviously the names that first come to mind are Trey Young and Colin Sexton, and I guess Doncic, but he's you know 
unicorn-esque, I guess you can say. Uh, you know, I, 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 I get that he I can play the point. I think po- they throw around the term unicorn a little too I much. get that he can play the point. I just don't sit here and go, he's a point guard. You know right. what I mean? But I've said this in, in previous uh, installments, and there are some middle first-round draft pick guys that, you know, are intriguing at the point guard position. You've got Shy Gilgis Alexander out of Kentucky, who's an intriguing prospect to me. He's played really well for them, and perhaps if this wasn't as you know loaded as a draft as it is, he'd be more than perhaps a middle first-round draft pick. At least that's where he's projected right now. You've got Anthony Simmons. Again, interesting case with this kid because you're talking about a top-five recruit who, uh, because of when he graduated and taking some prep school classes or whatever the case might be, uh, technically should be going into his first year of college, but is old enough to qualify for the NBA draft and, and has declared for the NBA draft. Right. So there's a kid that if you're looking at somebody who hasn't played any college ball, top five prospect, theoretically, if he went and played a year in college, very well could be a top five pick. But if you have a middle first round draft pick, I don't see why not take a shot on him. And then you've got Trevor Duvall. Another high-level prospect who's playing at Duke right now, who has been a bit disappointing at Duke. Maybe I shouldn't say a bit. Maybe I should say a lot disappointing. But I still think the talent level's there. Personally, if I if, if those three guys are all on the board at that 15 or whatever that pick's going to be, I'm going to say Shy, Shy Gil, Gilgis Alexander. Because the upside there is, is, is great, I think. And I we think. know we love our Kentucky guards. Right. And what's, what's an NBA draft involving the Phoenix Suns without taking at least one Kentucky guard. So that's where I am there. Um, Knight and Eulis I have sticking around. So right now we're looking at a point guard rotation, quote-unquote, of Knight, Eulis, and Gilgis Alexander, not necessarily in that order. Um, shooting guard position, I'm not really going to touch. I'm going to leave that as is. I mean, Devin Booker's kind of good. I'm, I'm, a little bit. I, I feel like we can keep him around. My daughter, by the way during the Suns game the other night, walked out of her room wearing, like, her little Devin Booker, like, shirt jersey thing. Her shirtsy? Shirtsy. Shirtsy? 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 Jerked? <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, my God, Suns, please, please, please start getting better before my kid loses complete interest in basketball. Give me this one thing to enjoy in life. So Booker, Daniels, I feel like, has been a solid, um, you know, night. second option off the, off the bench. Oh, yeah, I kind of look at Knight as, you know, he's kind of a combo guard. So right. I, I, I lumped him into the point guard position. But regardless, yeah, sure, Knight. Uh, and then I, I, I think Davon Reed, I don't see any reason for them to not have him back next year. I mean, it's not like he's on some ridiculously expensive contract. He sat out most of this year, so he'll be around, I think. 1.3. And then Sha- Shaquille Harrison, you know, give or take him, whatever. Him and his he signed a contract. Him and his mystery Kaiser Soze contract may or may not be here. Where I start to get into a little bit of fun is when we start getting into that front court area, and I, I, we've discussed this before, and I still really like this idea, and perhaps it's in part because I'm a U of A homer, but I I, I have the Suns going out there and getting themselves Aaron Gordon, whether it be through a situation where. You know, he's a restricted free agent where they go and offer him a contract and Orlando doesn't match or through a trade. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to be through a trade. And what I struggled with was exactly what they're going to give up in that type of trade. What's the value there? What's the asking price going to be? And this is the asking price that I came up with. I think if it goes beyond this, then maybe we start to, you know, I would rethink it. But I, I looked at Warren, mm-hmm. one of Chris or Bender, and... I swear to God, man, these two guys drive me absolutely insane. I have bounced back and forth between them all year. And, uh, you know, at this point, Chris having put together some games this year, you know, excuse me, this year, over the past couple of weeks, um, the, the fact that he was apparently so out of shape throughout the entire season that the front office and the coach were all talking about it up until about three weeks ago, and even recently have said now he's finally getting into shape. I, I start to lean towards Chris because you know that's 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 a barrier that he had to deal with all year, and if what we're seeing out of Marquise Chris as of late is is more of the Marquise Chris we can expect to see moving forward, then I think it's Chris. And I'm pretty sure like three weeks ago I said it was Bender, <laughs> and I'm not gonna promise that I will not change my mind again at some point in the future. But as we sit right now. I want to keep Marquise Chris. So I'm saying Warren and Bender, plus 
I'm thinking it'll take a, a draft pick. Uh, obviously not a pick in this year's draft. Perhaps the Suns' own pick two years down the road, maybe, uh, with some protections on it. Perhaps the Milwaukee pick. Yeah, exactly. The Milwaukee <laughs> pick. But, and throw as and many second-rounders as you need to. <laughs> right, maybe 47 second-round draft picks. And you know what? They can throw me in the trade, too. I'm down. I'll go. I'll go You'll to become our, a Magic I'll, fan? I'll, I'll become, <laughs> I'll, well, you know, I'll become a, 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 a centerpiece on the Magic roster. But uh, <laughs> I, don't need a, I don't need a root for them, yeah. right? You got, you got um, like, the reverse <laughs> Alfred Payton hair going right, on right yeah, now. Exactly, so. <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's, it's long you, in the back. I can see. I can see better than him. You fit right so. in with uh, Fournier. There you go. We'd be like the all-hair team over there. Don't Google. Don't Google all hair team? No. Oh. oh, oh. Don't Google. I've heard about that, and I've Don't never go- Googled Google it. it because <laughs> I, I, I received some fair warning not to. Now we're going like, to get yelled at on Twitter or comments because somebody's going to be like, I Googled it. You son of a bitch. Why'd you put that idea in my mind? Anyway. I Googled it. It was bad. Not good, huh? Okay. So <laughs> moving on. So I, I've got Gordon coming in. So that, that's going to give you Gordon as the presumable starter with, with Chris coming off the bench at the power forward. Center position, I'm keeping Williams around. Obviously, Aiton, I anticipate being the starter. And then Chandler is going to be there to provide whatever time is needed on the court uh, and, and, you know, his tutelage off the court, if you will. So, so he's going to get $13 million to not play. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Jared, yeah, well, Jared Dudley's getting like ten million this year to not play. Tyson Chandler is getting thirteen million this year to, to play, play very minimal. <laughs> so, for all intents and purposes, it's not really that different than what we're dealing with as it is. Touche. So, where we then have a bit of a disconnect, a bit of a a, a, a void is at the small forward position because all you have is Jackson. Uh, sorry, sorry, maybe I zoned out real quick. What? What did you do for the point guard position? Or are you just running with Brandon Knight? Why do you make that sound so negative? I, I, I'm running with Brandon Knight, Eulis, and Shai Gilgis-Alexander. Got it. Got it. And that brings up an interesting alternative universe of mine, which maybe I'll discuss a little bit after I'm done. And that involves trading for a point guard. But I have reasons for well, not going Well, I, I think we, we discussed off-air. I think we have an, we have an ideal off-season that's kind of a combination of a little bit of all of this. <laughs> sure. We do? <laughs> I think so. Okay. I have an ideal off-season. You can, you can, but why, why, I, why wouldn't you say your ideal off-season? Because it requires the, me drafting Aiton. In the part. Oh, well, you could have you could have spoken up. I would have no. I would have been willing to give this to you. Well, you know what? I'm interested in hearing that. So we'll we'll I'll, I'll hustle through this so we don't take I don't take up all the rest of the time here, and then you can go through and tell me what your ideal off-season is. Um, in fact, I okay, I know what you're saying now. Okay, where was I? Small forward. Okay. So small forward, all we have is Josh Jackson. Name that came to mind for me, and again, we look at that kind of the middling level of the free agency classes here, is Trevor Ariza. Right. Um, He's a bit older. He's 32, still younger than us. Um, He's making 7.3 million bucks this year. I believe he's unrestricted. Uh, But he's a guy who can play some defense. He's a guy who can shoot the three. And, you know, to, to have him come in and play that, that backup four, three role, I, I think that would be very advantageous to the Suns. And, again, not to harp too much on this entire tutelage, mentorship type thing, but, again, a guy who's been around the league for quite a while, I think that can teach Josh Jackson a thing or two uh, when it comes to, you know, playing in the NBA. So that, that's, that's, that's the guy I would look at. And, again, I don't know that the market's going to be huge for him. So he could be a reasonable get, especially in a year when not a lot of teams have money to throw right. around. And if he's making 7.3 this year, I mean, I, you know, even if you sign him to a short-term contract, I can't imagine you know, it's going to be more than that per year. And, again, even if we go through, depending on what type of sign-and-trade deal happens with Gordon – we're still sitting at $20 million under the cap with the other moves I made. So I'd like to think that offloading TJ Warren's salary, bringing in Gordon's, there's still going to be room for Trevor Reza and one more guy. And that brings me to the power forward position. And again, perhaps at this point, we're just kind of looking for not necessarily dudes that are just going to fill the bench, but guys who, well, are going to fill the bench, but can also bring something to the team 
in terms of ability, in terms of, of you know, uh, leadership, and at the same time, is it going to, you know, break the bank and, and that are going to be willing to accept the role? And the name that came to mind there, and I'm not just like picking off rockets who are unrestricted free agents, it's just this happenstance, but is uh, Luke Richard Mabaamute. Did I say that right? Mabaamute? I think you got it pretty close. Yeah, close enough, right? It, I didn't have to look you at it. You were doing your like, vocal exercises. Yeah, that unique New York. So he's 31. Uh, he's on a $2 million deal right now, so I think he could probably get begotten be quite cheap. And again, he's a guy that can play some D, and he can shoot the three for a, for a four. And when you have, again, young players like an Aaron Gordon, like a Marquise Chris on the team, he could provide a little bit of guidance, a little bit of mentorship for those guys in terms of learning the ropes of the NBA, and I think would be a good influence to have on the team. So what I've kind of done in offloading uh, Jared Dudley is bring two guys in who, in theory, and again, assuming they want to, we also, another caveat, we have no reason to believe these guys would want to come to the Suns, but hey, <laughs> again, this is our universe, and we're living in it, and we're doing it. Well, to flip that, though, with the way the cap We don't know is, that they wouldn't not want to come to the Suns? With the way the cap is this year, there's going to be a limited number of teams who have space. Sure. And the Suns are starting to put something, have p- actual attractive pieces mm-hmm. that people may want to play with. Mm-hmm. So you've got Booker. Jackson has shown a lot of stuff this second half of the season. And depending on who we get in with that first pick, that's three solid pieces. So it's like, oh, they're not a dumpster fire anymore. Right. There's direction. There's direction. And there's like guys who are fun, who are talented, who other guys would want to play with. Right. And because being that they're all on cheap deals, you can, you can get your money and you don't have to like take a cut to go go join it. And I think you look at it too, from the perspective, I mean, the, the sun's, right, wrong, or indifferent, but for the past few years have had that reputation of being a dumpster fire, at least in the general public's eye. But when you're dealing with guys who are in the NBA, who know what's going on, who pay attention to this stuff, who are buddies with players that are on teams and whatnot, I think they have a more focused, a more attentive eye towards what's really going on, like we do, Paul, like you and I do. We see this as 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 progress, as direction. And please, God... Let, let this direction work out, <laughs> but there's direction. So, yeah, I think that, again, I, sorry, Jared, he's gone, but you're bringing in two guys who I think can provide the same type of locker room leadership that perhaps the Suns have been getting from Dudley and from Chandler, who in my scenario is still sticking around, but they're going to be able to contribute more when needed than Jared Dudley has this this year. Right. So that, does that do it? Is that everybody for me? Yeah. So I'm looking at point guard, starting point guard as God knows who, whoever, whoever, whoever. whoever. Yeah. That's your mystery position, whereas center was my mystery position. Right, exactly. Um, And we've got Booker, obviously, starting the shooting guard. you got Jackson at the the three with Ariza coming off the bench. You've got Gordon um, at the four. And I I would say, you know, when you're looking at that scenario, assuming Chris doesn't, you know, eat a bunch of donuts this offseason without working out at all. I would say he's coming off the bench as the backup four. If I have four. to drag him to Planet Fitness to run on the damn treadmill. Dude, <laughs> I, I, I will get in shape if it means that helps Marquise Chris stay in shape. Uh, and then you've got Aiton and some combination of Williams and Chandler um, coming off the bench at the center. So that, that's, that's the Justin universe of the Phoenix Suns next year. Now, Paul. Yes. Please indulge me. <laughs> should, no, that's not right. Tell us, tell us about this apparently shared ideal offseason. I sent you the text. Right, right. But then we discuss, and I feel, and I'll, I'll, I'll share my thoughts about why I, I, it, that wouldn't be my ideal offseason. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be pissed. Right. But it wouldn't be my ideal offseason. At least as I sit here right now. There, there could be some, you know. Uh, b- behind closed doors assurances that might make it more enticing for me, but I'll get into that after you go ahead and, and share here. All right, so a lot of this has started... Um, I read a piece by Kevin O'Connor off The Ringer 
that he posted earlier this week about one uh, Kemba Walker. I know that's that's a name that popped up for the Suns uh, back during the trade deadline, and I was I was against trading for him at the trade deadline because I didn't think he was going to move the needle for this. I move the needle for the Suns enough in a positive manner to warrant the trade at the time because mm-hmm. there just wasn't enough else there. Plus, I didn't want him to ruin that possibility of that get it getting that high pick sure. that DeAndre Aiden that. Luka Doncic, that Marvin Bagley, whoever that is. I, b- I believe my exact words were, if you complained about Eric Bledsoe not fitting the timeline, then you should shut your mouths about Kemba Walker. Right. I'm perhaps a little <laughs> more brash about things, but at any rate, go on. Now, going into the offseason, going into as a, a new season where we're expecting to be competitive from jump, I'm less apprehensive to the idea of Kemba Walker. And looking at the... The free agent market for point guards is atrocious. Yeah. There's nothing out there. And even from a trade perspective, there's not a lot going on out there. I mean, the only guys that I can really think of off in looking at it that could potentially be attainable, but a lot of them have risks, are you're looking at like a Spencer Dinwiddie out of out of Brooklyn. If you you love get, that guy. Well, I think he, I think he could be a good start. He was a good starter for the Nets when he was filling, filling in for Russell, I think, but I think he's, I think he's a guy you could get. I, I, that's really why he's a target is because I think he's gettable and worth it. Like there's, there's guys who are gettable. I mean, Alfred Payton was gettable. Is he, right. he was worth a second round pick. He's not worth much else. Sure. But I think Spencer Dinwiddie can actually be a player, potentially be a starter. There's Dante Exum, who's actually starting to do some, has finally come back from injury, starting to do some things for Utah, could be an interesting player. And then there's obviously Kemba Walker. You're looking at a Charlotte team that I think is looking to move on from him. So he's gettable. He's, I think, was he an all-star this year? Mm Mm-hmm. He's, he is an all-star, so that that's – from a marketing standpoint, that's helpful as well to say you have an all-star on your team. He's – you know, he is on the higher end of the timeline. He's in that Bledsoe range, but he's a different type of player than Bledsoe, and I think he could fit a little bit better than Bledsoe did alongside Booker and the rest of the team. Um, the, the trade that uh, Mr. O'Connor put out there was a little – rich for my blood i don't think it would take this much he was suggested excuse me he was suggesting the um let me find it i'm looking at cleveland not phoenix that's why that was one of the other destinations they suggested um he was suggesting both the milwaukee and miami picks the heat pick and one of chris or bender and then obviously their deadlier chandler to make the money work i think that's a little hefty for Kemba Walker, being that he is going into the last year of his deal, he's only, I think, like a one-time All-Star, two-time All-Star, but in the East. So there's a caveat there. <laughs> so um, with that, I think I think that's a little bit rich, but I wouldn't be opposed to trading the Milwaukee and the, Mi- and the Miami picks from this year and one of Chris or Bender. I'm not really jazzed on giving up that heat pick from 2021 i think that's it has to be a killer deal for want me to put that in a deal i think that's Mm -hmm. a very valuable piece that i don't that i'm not ready to give up not for one year potentially one year of kemba walker but otherwise those other players i think i'd be willing to push the push my chips into the middle for for that obviously as i mentioned earlier this scenario goes with DeAndre Ayton being right. the being the pick at number one. So yeah, now we've filled our filled our point guard position. We filled our center position. We have we haven't really filled that power forward, or we've lost some of that power forward position. So this is where a Jabari Parker would be a nice fit from a monetary standpoint. We we could bring him in without having to give up a lot. Because I think, like I said, I think we could get him essentially unrestricted. Right, because I don't the, think the Bucks Milwaukee are like thirty million dollars over the cap. Yeah, if you give well, him the right deal, that's with his cap hold. But still, if you give him the right deal, I don't think the Bucks would match. 
The other option is you can really take you can take a swing at Aaron Gordon. There's other pieces you can move. You could build maybe you only give away one of those Milwaukee and Miami picks, and then maybe the the second pick is like a future Suns protected pick, like it's lottery protected mm-hmm. Suns pick from like 2019 or right. something. Because we have all those picks available. So yeah, you're still sending two picks out for Walker, and then you can use one of those other picks as part of a trade package for Gordon in a signing trade. So that just remakes your starting roster. And I think that's a very competitive young starting roster that can grow. Right. And yeah, I, I, and I, I won't, I won't totally disagree with that. The only thing that gives me pause is what you alluded to. And that's a potential of having Kemba Walker for one year. Cause I mean, if you're going to give up pieces and I know the Suns are at a point where it's like, forget the pieces because we've been going through this for so long, we've got the we've got those pieces. We've got to use them at some right. point. I get that, but the idea of potentially giving up those pieces to get Kemba Walker for one year mm-hmm. should be terrifying. I think because it's not like this team is Kemba Walker for one year away from winning a championship, shit, making the playoffs, right? Or and and I'll, I'll step back too. You said they're expected to be competitive this year. I feel like we're more hopeful that they'll be competitive this year. But there's a very strong possibility. Perhaps it's more of a reality that the team is still a year two uh, you know, two years away from really competing. So when when I said before you started going into the Kemba Walker, well, thing, I, I, I mean competitive for a championship. I mean competitive for a playoff spot. Oh well, you know, there's two different levels of competitive. Paul, but, Paul. I'm here to win titles, baby. Well, yeah. And when I say here, I mean in Phoenix as a Suns fan for the last 35 years of my life, which has worked out really poorly. For 50 years of their right their existence. existence. Um, but it's so funny too. They, you know, 20. I remember the 25th anniversary year very vividly still because I was Barkley's first year. That's when, as it was then, America West Arena opened, and they almost won a title that year. And here we sit, 25 years later. And we almost might get the first. The literally pick have for the first time literally in have not gotten closer. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we could, we could not be farther away, further away from a title. But uh, I digress. Um, the, uh, the 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 Kemper walk thing. When when I said if there could be some behind closed doors assurances, or at least strong strong commitments, maybe not strong commitment, some level of. Uh, you know, security to know that, okay, yeah, Kemba's going to be interested in signing. As long as the Suns don't come back and end up with the worst record in the league again and they're competitive, right. he plans on re-signing. He loves Phoenix. He's best friends with Robert Sarver. I don't know, whatever. Then I would be more inclined to say, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and do this. But, I mean, it's kind of, you look at like the Chris Paul situation last year with Houston. And obviously the Suns this year compared to Houston last year are night and day different when it comes to how good the teams are. But Houston gave up a fair amount to get Chris Paul to come. And he was going into his last year, but obviously he's now signed an extension. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I thought he had. No, he had a player option. He, he, was, he was planning to be a free agent last season. He had a player option that he exercised so he could be traded to Houston. He is a free agent this year. Unrestricted, which is part of the cap machinations of getting LeBron onto Houston. I stand corrected. I I don't know why I thought that he. Oh, he just became eligible during the year to sign it. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. My mistake. But at any rate, it's the same type of risk. But when you're dealing with a team who right now is sitting with the best record in the league, mm-hmm. like okay, I'm willing to take that risk because we're that close to a title. You're and still Chris you're Paul can be enough that you can resign. Right. Exactly. So. You know, Assuming if, it's not a if there was some type situation. of assurance, then I would be more inclined to do it. But like I said, if it happened, I wouldn't hate it. Um, and it, I won't disagree. That would make the Suns more competitive next year. But that, that, that one thing gives me, gives me some pause. And maybe I'm overthinking. And maybe I'm, I need to live more in the now. I don't know. But regardless. Okay. So, wow. Look at that. We covered all, all, of, our, all of our little fantasy world... Uh, <laughs> Uh, scenarios. That's the word I was looking for. Since we're going down that road a oh, little bit, there's more. A little bit, a little bit more. We we talked about it off off mic, but since we're talking about potential summer moves and whatnot, with all the 
perceived drama that is going on in San Antonio should the Suns make a run at Kawhi? <laughs> let's let's make this brief because we're we're running pretty long here. I got one other question. No, that's it. I'm done. No, okay. I don't understand why people. Maybe I'm just not reading the right stuff online and what have you. It seems to me like people that bring up that concept have zero concern about his health. Can we not point out the fact that he's played in what like two games this year? Does that not give anybody pause? Anybody some concern that perhaps trading for him, especially if you're having to give up some of a Josh Jackson, perhaps, is perhaps not the best idea in the world? I don't know. If you're telling me that this is a fully healthy Kawhi who is not going to be a malcontent in a locker room and who is not going to run the risk of, you know, because of the same reasons that already exist, not playing for almost an entire season, then I say, okay, yeah, that, that would probably make some sense. But as far as I've read, as far as I've seen, there's no indication that he is going to be fully healthy anytime soon. Am I wrong? No. Okay. Just I mean, sure. I part of me wonders if some of this is just him kind of posturing in a way because he wants out. So he's kind of yeah, he's taking the PR hit of like you know, you can play, why aren't you playing? And he's saying, but I don't feel right. And then he's going to go in, he just he just is doing it so he can get moved, and then he'll be fine by the beginning of the next season. But, but and then that, 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 even that then is kind of a red flag that is still, a, yeah. because you're dealing with, you're talking about a team, and God, I, I don't know that I've really discussed this a whole lot on this podcast, but I have, like, a deep burning hatred for the Spurs. Like, hugely... My wife's family's from Texas, and some of her cousins are Spurs fans, and I, I, I can't discuss basketball with them because I want to punch them, and I hope they don't listen. I'm it's sorry. The only I love thing you guys. I don't like about Jay Serrano. But, but <laughs> right there, you go exactly. But there's no, there's no denying that that's a long-standing championship-winning franchise that, to the best of my recollection, has not really had any issues internally with players. I mean, you look at the, you've got Tim Duncan, um, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, all spent, and uh, granted the last two are still playing, but all spent their entire careers and or will spend their entire careers in San Antonio. So the franchise can't be that shitty to be in if those guys of that caliber are sticking around for their entire careers. So then why the hell is Kawhi Leonard so unhappy there? I don't know. I mean, I think... Part, that was that was more rhetorical, really. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of it is is Tim Duncan. To be honest, he's a very unique player from a personality standpoint, and he had a very interesting leadership style that helped facilitate that. And we took think as fans, we took that for granted about their culture. And now that he is no longer a player, you're starting to see cracks in that facade a little bit. And that this may be the first because we saw it last year when um, Lamarcus had requested a trade. Obviously, that was smoothed over, but that was something that came out that he had straight up said, "Hey, I'm not feeling utilized properly here, and I want to go somewhere else." And Pop talked him off the ledge. Apparently, I'm wondering this may not be working for Kawhi, but to have your two biggest players in two subsequent two back-to-back seasons basically kind of want to be out is not a good sign. That may, maybe pops over the hill as a coach. Maybe he just needs to run for president. Well, they did, they, did, they, did, they did not win 50 games this year for the first time in like 75 years. So maybe he is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, okay. If, again, I, I don't see that happening, and I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with it unless – we know that Kawhi Leonard is fully healthy and fully committed. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'm a little, con- I'm hesitant to do it. And I think, to be honest, I think a lot of that has to do with I'm highly enamored with Josh Jackson and he would probably have to be included in any trade to get Kawhi. 
we all know how I feel about Josh Jackson, so we don't yeah. need to get into that. Um, you said you had one more question. Yes. What What do you put the odds at that Devin Booker actually signs an extension this summer? Because I can make a strong argument why he won't. Well, I, I I saw that article recently that talked about how him not signing an extension this summer would be best for the team. Yeah. Is that your argument? Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know. I haven't looked. I, I frankly saw the headline of that article and didn't read any of it. So I, I, I don't know. But you know what, Paul? We can talk about that next time. Next time. Because we've run we long. Very long. People people want to get into get into work or do whatever the hell they do while they're listening or after they listen to this podcast. Probably listening to while they work. Yeah, that's what I do. So okay, I'm not even going to ask you for anything else because I don't want you nope. to lead me down some I'm other good. some other route. So um, as always, thank you very much for listening. You can catch me on Twitter at so says Jay Paul at Dervish of World, and the podcast is at Fan the Flames NBA. And again, thank you very much. We appreciate the listeners. We appreciate the comments. We appreciate the tweets. All lovely. We love it, whether they're positive or negative. And until next time, (laughs) depending on when you're listening, have a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Get in my belly!